Under the leadership of that haughty woodsman, Daniel Boone, a large party set out for the new land, Kentucky. Where else comes to be pretty like me? I'm Colonel Harold Sanders, and I'd like to tell you a little bit about my Kentucky Fried Chicken. Have I told you you people are crazy? This is Old Kentucky Tales, the only podcast that solemnly swears that none of us have ever had a case of the jerks. Except me. I, I had a, a case of it one time, I think. I, I don't even know what that is. It sounds <laughs> terrible, though, i got to tell you. <laughs> Today's title is The Life-Saving Power of Peppermint. I am your host, Brent Taylor. To my left is the man who has an entire show dedicated to Christmas presents, River City presents. Oh, <laughs> I had not thought of that. That's what the auto text says whenever you read it out. <laughs> yeah. Daniel Hurt. Our main event covers the Great Awakening and the Reverend Peter Cartwright with his life-saving peppermint. Come on. Okay. Sure. I'm already skeptical. (laughs) Along the way, don't forget to support the fake history sponsors who support Old Kentucky Tales. The products are real, only the sponsorship is fake. Aroused? Yeah, since Pearl Harbor, when the so-called cunning and outright treachery of Madman issued the challenge for global combat... In meeting that challenge, America's powerful land, air, and sea forces, backed by the most intensified production effort of all time, swung into action. As industry soldiers of production meet the challenge of all-out war with all-out effort and a smile, we as producers of military and naval supplies will continue to unstintingly devote our skill and production facilities to the manufacture of precision ordnance until that unconditional surrender is run from every Axis enemy, the A.C. Gilbert Company. All right, Daniel. So, uh, how about that one? Well, uh, okay. So, who did you get to say the word aroused? <laughs> we, we, we have all sorts of voiceover artists on this program, don't we? <laughs> I just can't imagine them having multiple takes. Just like what that was like. Anyway, so we're excited about war. <laughs> right. And what's funny about this is just how the meanings of words change ever so slightly over time. I mean, technically it's excitement. It's just they're they're uh <laughs> And I guess it's connotations, right? And uh, so you know, there's there's meanings and then there's like what everybody really thinks the meaning is. Well, they're rearing and ready to go, I gotta tell you. But <laughs> the uh but you know what's fascinating is like this ad is laid over shake, rattle, and roll. You know the <laughs> oh, in the mood. What in the mood? Oh, is that not that's not shake, rattle, and yeah. roll? You're right. Yeah, shake, yeah. rattle, and roll. Victor Turner. Whoops, I got the wrong one. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> I don't even know how I feel about all this, but well, right. I mean, you got to make an advertise. And again, this is one of those like that's a corporation that supports the war effort too, right? So I mean, all in. I mean, and then you have the Army. I don't know what that flag is. I don't know what the E's for. Oh, that is the E for excellence flag. That is we the highest. flag for excellence. Yeah, and so this is an industry. If you are in a manufacturing setting, you want this. This is one of the highest honors that you can have okay. bestowed upon you. So this is like a government going like, these guys are good. Yes. Okay. So you might like wear that on your lapel pin or something if you were like the president of the corporation. Yeah, yeah, and you'll have a big ceremony. I've seen those where they oh, that's cool. they get out there and they're like, "Hey, we've been awarded this because the government says we're really doing our part." And that sort of makes corporations want to fall in line and also do that because they're getting like cool stuff. They get 
political medals and flags and yeah, yeah, and the government contract, which is <laughs> always nice. Not to mention the government contract, of course. But <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a pretty neat little ad. And they're loading onto what? Uh, what kind of ship is that that they're getting on? Uh, that's a Just good like question. Kind of it's a little craft. I yeah, it's know. a little grainy, but it, yeah, that, that's that kind of thing for sure. All right. And now for the moment we've all been waiting for. The main event. Round one. The Second Great Awakening. That's our topic. That's mm. a little bit unusual as a topic. So we had a First Great Awakening before the American Revolution. And that's then we like had this. Hobbs and Locke and stuff, right? Uh, it was. The, the first one was. So this is. A, well, the first one was, was preachers. It was. People like George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards, those oh, kind of guys. Oh, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, the way that's always presented in history class is that that was contributing to making the culture different in America than it was back in Europe, back in England. Mm-hmm. And so that's just one of the little reasons. It's one of those steps on the road to the Revolutionary War. Sort of the original building blocks, so to speak. That yeah, one of those kinds of things. Yeah. Exactly right. So then this one is going to be after the revolution. You'll notice it's about a generation afterwards. And it's kind of an interesting thing. Background of it is millennialism. So they got to be all worried about end times, the end of the world. And well, what's interesting about that kind of theology is it's a big Christian theme, but also I think scientifically that's true, right? The world won't last forever. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, the other thing that I find terribly fascinating about this concept of millennialism is that we still have elements of that in our society today, whether it's Harold Camping or Nostradamus or whoever. We still have sort of apocalyptic end-of-time themes, but they're also, right, they can also be sort of like – we're going to wrap this whole thing up and create a utopia, too. Right, 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 right. Well, yeah, and that was that was part of the thing here. The logical conclusion is if the world's going to end, you don't know when. You have zero idea whether it could happen a thousand years from now. It could happen three days from now. A thief in the night, as the Christians <laughs> say. It could, I mean, you never know. So then the whole thing is – well, we're going to get fired up about this, and we're going to start cleaning up our act and, and all of this kind of thing. So it's about kind of being ready for it. Create a society worthy of the end times. Yeah, and eventually you'll, you'll see some of that stuff be a manifestation where the utopian societies, like you said, and that kind of thing, yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll see some of that stuff branch out there. So what's going to happen here is they're going to have a series of these camp revivals. And these camp revivals, I guess the only way I could even explain this in a modern sense would be like, it's kind of like uh, when you see these concerts with a whole lot of bands. Like a festival. Like a festival, yeah. Yeah, so like the war, you know, Warped Tour or Woodstock back in the day yeah. or something like that, except it's all religious stuff. And it's traveling, right? Or would they do it in one place? Well, they, yeah. So these guys are not necessarily itinerant, but they did travel to this location. Got it. And they they set up a bunch of stages, 
And oh, so it's, it's like uh, Bonnaroo. They've got a place that they always yeah. do it at, and they just every year we're going to go on down and have a revival. <laughs> well, that, that's kind of what this was like. Uh, super huge um, religion fest like thing. Yeah. So this guy is the Reverend Peter Cartwright. He will make an appearance not just in Kentucky history books, but also in American history books. Hmm. So he's a, a fairly large figure in some ways. But he was from Kentucky. And let's see what he says about these meetings at Cane Ridge. That's in northern Kentucky. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I had never heard of it either, except in this context. Somewhere between 1800 and 1801, in the upper part of Kentucky, at a memorable place called Cane Ridge, there was appointed a sacramental meeting by some of the Presbyterian ministers, at which meeting, seemingly unexpected by ministers or people, the mighty power of God was displayed in a very extraordinary manner. Many were moved to tears and bitter and loud crying for mercy. The meeting was protracted for weeks. How about that? Well, I mean, that's not what I would imagine would take place at a festival, but sounds kind of depressing, i got to be honest with you. (laughs) Ministers of almost all denominations flocked in from far and near. So that's kind of interesting about this, too. We're not going to do the thing about, well, my flavor is better than yours. It's We've got it all here. Correct. Okay, because that'd be weird if every religion showed up to the same party. Well, back then... Really, besides the Jewish faith, almost zero in the population Yeah, would, would be non-Christian. Uh, but yeah, 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 you're totally right. The meeting was kept up by night and day. Thousands heard of the mighty work and came on foot, on horseback, in carriages and wagons. It was supposed that there were in attendance at times during the meeting from twelve to 25,000 people. That is a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Especially at that time, too. Yes. Just like traveling and all that that would be involved, right? Well, and really, the population was so much smaller. So, like, that's a significantly large portion of people. Yeah. The population in 1790 or so was about 4 million people. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, Time I didn't of the revolution. Realize, Time, I didn't realize yeah. it was that small. Man, there's like 400 million Americans now. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but it was, uh, yeah, it was very small at the beginning. Even in the colonial times, it was like a million. Well, it's just fascinating because it's like, you know, you think of America as a great wide-open country as it is now. Imagine how big and unknown it was at the time. You oh, know? it was sparse. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Desolate. Hundreds fell prostrate um, under the mighty power of God as men slain in battle. That's a fun sentence, isn't it? What's overwhelming. (laughs) Stands were erected in the woods from which preachers of different churches proclaimed repentance toward God. In the woods? Uh, Yeah, it's way out in the middle of nowhere. This is getting weird. It's like a Lollapalooza kind of deal. This is Burning Man, isn't it? Well, Woodstock was in the middle of nowhere, This is Burning Man. They're going to hurt somebody. (laughs) (laughs) And it was supposed by eye and ear witness that between one and 2,000 souls were happily and powerfully converted to God during the meeting. It was not unusual for one, two, three, and four to seven preachers to be addressing the listening thousands at the same time from the different stands erected for the purpose. That's just strange. 
how can I know what's going on if there's seven people talking at the same time? <laughs> I guess you're out of earshot. But maybe? if it's yeah, that's right. If it's big enough, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The heavenly fire spread in almost every direction. It was said by truthful witnesses that at times more than one thousand persons broke into the loud shouting all at once, and that shouts could be heard for miles around. From this camp meeting, for so it ought to be called, the news spread through all the churches and through all the land, and it excited great wonder and surprise, but it kindled a religious flame that spread all over Kentucky and through many other states. And it is kind of like an epicenter hmm. of the Second Great Awakening, Cane Ridge is. So about that, he's right. People don't say the name of that place as frequently as they do. It is buried in the history books. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of way down in there. Not necessarily a footnote, but maybe you get a paragraph or two about it. It's amazing. You'd think that it's just so cool that we have that story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A religious flame that spread all over Kentucky and through many other states. And I may be here permitted to say that this was the first camp meeting ever held in the United States. And here our camp meetings took their rise. So pretty soon we're going to start getting into the description part. That was all the background. Yeah. The people crowded to this meeting from far and near. They came in their large wagons with victuals, mostly prepared, so food. Mm. The women slept in the wagons and the men under them. Many, so that's it. You don't, you don't have a hotel, right? You're just, yeah, Woodstock you wouldn't have either. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's a religious Woodstock. That's the way we'll brand this now. (laughs) (laughs) Many stayed on the ground night and day for a number of nights and days together. Others were provided for among the neighbors around. The power of God was wonderfully displayed. Scores of sinners fell under the preaching, like men slain in mighty battle. Christians shouted aloud for joy. So there's a lot of militaristic language in there that's fascinating. Yeah, and I guess that makes sense. Um, Battle Hymn of the Republic yeah. is, is kind of that same sort of vibe, right? If you're like in the next field over and you hear all this screaming and jumping for joy, that's got to be like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> I'm battling with the wrong one. What kind of party? I need, I need to be four over. Yeah. <laughs> Just in the midst of our controversies, on the subject of the powerful exercises among the people we're preaching, a new exercise broke out among us called the jerks. There it is. There's the I'm jerks. I'm going to know what the jerks are. Yeah. Which was overwhelming in its effects upon the bodies and minds of the people. No matter whether they were saints or sinners, they would be taken under by a warm song or sermon and seized with a convulsive jerking all over. Okay. Which, <laughs> so there it is, right? So... Who had, who brought the LSD? That's what I <laughs> This would be the Holy Spirit, Daniel. Okay. Yeah. Which they could not by any possibility avoid. And I actually love this next part. The more they resisted, the more they jerked. So like in your case, you're skeptical about this. I mean, I'm a Christian, but like... And if this hits you, if this hits you, it's going to really 
messed you up. It's going to wreck you because you're going to be over there like, nope, not me. And you'll be grabbing onto the, the, the chair for dear life. Yeah. And then it's really going to get you. All I can say is I'm a Christian and I'm just like, guys, no. <laughs> We're not that exciting. The more they resisted, the more they jerked. If they would not strive against it and pray in good earnest, the jerking would usually abate. I have seen more than 500 persons jerking at one time in my large congregations. That's got to be something, right? Don't you wish they had YouTube back then? (laughs) (laughs) What would you call that video? Couple of jerks. (laughs) Most usually, persons taken with the jerks to obtain relief, as they said, would rise up and dance. So that's what you got to dance it out. So, okay. All right. So get the jig out. All right. I love this next thing, too. Some would run, but could not get away. What does that mean? Where are they going? <laughs> well, okay, so the things hit them, and they're like, nope, I'm out of here. And apparently, like, as they're running, it's, they're, they're this is doing like the, the Blues dance. Brothers. <laughs> it's like the, do you see the lights? <laughs> and then they all dance and have a lion dance and get tossed into the air. <laughs> Some would resist. On such, the jerks were generally very severe. Like, don't, don't, don't fight it. Just dance. (laughs) You're in a discotheque. It's fine. (laughs) To see those proud young gentlemen and young ladies dressed in their silks, jewelry, and prunella, that's like a fancy wool, Mm -hmm. from top to toe would take the jerks, and that would often excite my risibilities. The first jerk or so, and you would see their fine bonnets, caps, and combs fly. And so sudden would be the jerking of the head that their long, loose hair would crack almost as loud as a Wagner's whip. This, this is like, how big's the fish going to be by the end of this? <laughs> At one of my appointments in 1804, there was a very large congregation turned out to hear the Kentucky boy, as they called me. Among the rest, there were two very finely dressed fashionable young ladies attended by two brothers with loaded horse whips. Loaded horse whips. I don't even know. (laughs) Although the house was large, it was crowded. The two young ladies coming in late took their seats near where I stood. So this is happening in a house. Uh, Yeah, that's interesting. I guess it's this is a separate little thing maybe or or, I don't know. He he didn't say much about the house in the early days. After party, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Their two brothers stood in the door. I was a little unwell, and I had a vial of peppermint in my pocket. (laughs) You're shaking your head. (laughs) Here it comes. Before I commenced preaching, I took out my vial and swallowed a little of the peppermint. While I was preaching, the congregation was melted into tears. The two young gentlemen moved off to the yard fence, and both the young ladies took the jerks, and they were greatly mortified about it. So they didn't want to have the jerks, but now they got them. Okay. (laughs) So he's taking drugs. That's not peppermint. That's acid or something. Or they're so excited they've never... Experienced fresh breath before. (laughs) It's a miracle. (laughs) There was a great stir in the congregation. Some wept, some shouted, and before our meeting closed, several were converted. 
And that's actually a big point. There, there were a whole lot of church membership was way on the rise during that period. But, I mean, if you're going to church Woodstock, aren't you already bought in? Um, I guess not. No. No, apparently some people are there because they're curious or It's a party, whatever. right? I want to yeah. go, see what's happening. Yeah, it's a big event. Because, yeah, they, they claim they're making thousands of conversions. As I dismissed the assembly, a man stepped up to me and warned me to be on my guard, for he heard the two brothers swear that they would horsewhip me when the meeting was out for giving their sisters the jerks. Well, said I, I'll see to that. What? <laughs> so apparently these the, the guys didn't want to be there, but they're escorting the sisters. And now they're mad because the sisters got the jerks. You can't be giving my sisters the jerks, man. <laughs> That's exactly right. Now it's personal. <laughs> I went out and said to the young men, that I understood that they intended to horsewhip me for giving their sisters the jerks. He just goes out there and he's like, hello, gentlemen. <laughs> so you two are the ones who are going to be horsewhipping me today. <laughs> right, yeah. How are you? Just going just to just face this problem head and on. And the guy says, yeah, it's me. <laughs> One replied that he did. I undertook to expostulate with him on the absurdity of the charge against me. How 19th century is that, by the way? Yeah. I'm expo- I'm expostulating with you the absurdity of the charge, sir. Yes. I mm, language was different back then. They had vocabularies out of this world. F- like fourth grade eighteen ninety, fourth grade nineteen ninety, they're gonna beat us bad. <laughs> for sure. But he swore that I need not deny it, for he had seen me take out a vial in which I carried some truck that gave his sisters the jerks. What? So he thinks that the peppermint has some sort of magic potion. Yeah, I think vi- it does vi- too. Yeah. I think it's acid. <laughs> as quick as thought, it came into my mind how I would get clear of my whipping. And jerking out the peppermint, no. said I, yes, if I gave your sisters the jerks, I'll give them to you. Now he's going to scare them. <laughs> In a moment... <laughs> In a moment, I saw he was scared. I moved towards him. He backed. I advanced. And he wheeled and ran, warning me not to come near him or he would kill me. Yeah, because you're a crazy witch doctor. <laughs> it raised the laugh on him, and I escaped my whipping. I had the pleasure before the year was out of seeing all four, so that would be the sisters and the brothers, soundly converted to God and I took them into the church. He got he got them, the jerks. He got them. He gave them the jerks. <laughs> All's well that ends well. Mm. I always looked upon the jerks as a judgment sent from God. First, to bring sinners to repentance. And secondly, to show professors that God could work with or without means. And that he could work over and above means. And do whatsoever seemeth him good to the glory of his grace and the salvation of the world. So why is he making it personal against you? You're a professor. Why is he? <laughs> I guess all the doubters, right? All the, all the doubters out Doubting there. Doubting Thomas. Yeah. The, oh, good religious reference there. I told you. Yeah. I'm more, I'm, I'm more well-read than, than people think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, uh, that's no joke. This you old, are extremely well-read. This old dog still got some few tricks up there. This old dog being 30. <laughs> All right, well, uh, let's pay a few bills. 
This part of the program is brought to you by Cooper's Jockey Underwear. Okay. One contact that's not binding. Jocker, uh, jockey. No bind underwear. Jockey Underwear hugs your body with the sleek, smooth contact of a second skin. There's no bind, bunching, or crawling. That sounds bad, the crawling. I don't even know what that is. I've, I've never, I don't guess I've ever experienced that. Maybe that's like where it rises up. I don't is know. that the crawling? It's crawling up? That's a weird way to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> None of that tied up feeling illustrated by our jockey dog's leash curled around his master's midsection. That's the picture up at the top. And there's good sound reason why. Jockey underwear originated and manufactured by Cooper's is tailored to fit the male figure everywhere. The patented Y-front construction provides mild masculine support. You know, I've never heard male figure used in an ad before. That's a really good observation. Yeah, you never think of that. He looks really happy. Uh, yeah, it's not binding, so he's, oh, he's been freed. That's right. <laughs> Jockeys are buttonless. Actually, that sounds. That means that some underwear back then had buttons. It did. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Easy to launder and need no ironing. That's a whole episode by itself. Or the, the way those people used to iron stuff. Yeah. Well, people. You know, I've seen Mitt Romney ironed a shirt while he was wearing it, and he was like, "Ow, ow, ow!" <laughs> he's, it's like he's not a robot after all. Okay. <laughs> And so they uh, these th- these come in four lengths. Did you see that over on the side? Oh yeah, okay. So so there's kind of like the more standard length, uh, but then there's also a midway length, an over the knee length. Uh, okay. And a long length. So long underwear. Yeah. Uh, we get that. We understand that. What about this over the knee thing? Uh, Why would you ever need that? Why is uh, that? I don't know. I have no good answer for that. <laughs> when was this again? 42. Uh, yeah, 42. War. war. I don't know. Special underwear for war. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I'm put my I just don't see the difference. Like, if you're going to have the long underwear, if you're a long underwear guy, why the over-the-knee underwear? Because it's coming just, just down below the knee. Is where that stops. Oh, it's it's to meet up with your breeches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is the uh, J- the James Madison edition. This is the pre, I'm gonna say it again, the pre sans level. <laughs> yeah, the French French <laughs> Revolution underwear. <laughs> well, that one would just like have a place for your knife so you could stab somebody. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a. Uh, Man, that length is just – that's weirding me I, out. I can't I, get over it. I, you know, it's just you don't think about advertising. I, it's weird to say that, like, fashion advertising is such a – seems like woman-dominated era. You know, if it's men, it's like suits or coats, winter coats. We must be masculine, you know. <laughs> you don't often think about an underwear advertisement or something. Yeah. Yeah, that one's just a, just a little different. We have now turned to the final page of this chapter. But Old Kentucky Tales never fails to return. You can download even more episodes on the NPR One app, or you can see all of those episodes on the actual WKMS website. If you like what you hear, please leave a review or rate us. Special thanks to WKMS 
Our producer, Todd Birdsong, Daniel Hurt, the Paducah School of Art and Design, West Kentucky Community and Technical College, and the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs>